On today's episode of the Deep Place podcast, I get to interview an incredible woman named Susie Lee Harris. Uh, it's a story all about recovery, about mental health, about uh, self-harm, eating disorders. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff within this podcast uh, that if you are someone who has gone through lots of mental health issues, uh, might be both hard to hear, uh, but also may be healing. So please, um, this is just a warning at the start for you as we get into this episode. The Deep Place on Creativity and Spirituality. My name is Joy Prouty. And I'm Joel McCarrow. Welcome to our podcast. Within the art, within the art, there's the pain and there's the struggle and there's the hope. And that was the big thing that I never knew when I was unwell, which was that in like in the moment, in the deepest, darkest moments, recovery is right by is right there next to you. There is so much hope, there is so much life, there is so much beauty, and I think the creative creativity that I found through um, that has kind of weaved its way throughout my life and through my own mental health journey has been has been a real process of like reclaiming that story, reclaiming who I am. New Zealand uh, with a good friend of mine, Susie Lee Harris. Does anyone call you by your full name like that? My real name is actually Susanna. Oh, Susanna but Lee Harris. That's only if I'm in trouble with my parents. <laughs> so, my <laughs> yeah. so Susie's good. Susie's yeah. good. Yeah. I'd uh, maybe, I mean, no one, none of these listeners except maybe a few Kiwis uh, will know who you are, Susie. So maybe just tell us just briefly mm-hmm. um, what is, what's life look like for you? What's your creativity? What, what's, what's life look like now? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm 31. Yeah. Uh, initially born in the UK mm. and then moved to New Zealand mm. when I was 16. Uh, my life is like being made up in like lots of different parts at the moment. So I'm part of like a, an intentional community in Lyle Bay. So we kind of do life together and conflict together and discussions together yeah, and right. all the joy and struggle. And How many people do you live with? Uh, there's like... In my flat, there's like five of us, but then round the corner, there's another, um, there's like another couple, and then there's another, and then another couple that have a baby, and then another couple that have a baby, and so, um, yeah, it's great. It's great to just um, have have friends, yeah. like have a community. It's the kind of things that I think um, you can easily take for granted. Yeah, and I. Never dreamed I'd have, but now I have. Wow. Yeah. So that's like a big part of my life. And then um, I work part-time for a mental health organisation here in Wellington. Uh, Most of that role is is looking at – we do this thing called peer support is the term. And basically that's people that have struggled with their mental health helping other people that are struggling with their mental health. Right. And so most of the work I'm doing is – work with this organisation and looking at ways that we can maybe grow in those spaces and set up new initiatives to help people. Um, and then I'm also in the process of planning 
uh, exhibition. Cool. Hopefully. Wonderful. <laughs> um, in September. So last right. week, September, is Mental Health Awareness Week in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like dragging myself towards this goal yes. that I've carried for like 10 years. Wow. Um, that is equally terrifying and exciting at the same time. So, um, yeah, and, and that kind of looks like different, in quite different in different days. Like yeah. today I was like trying to tidy my room so I can have more of like a studio space. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, but then there's other other things I end up doing, like um, photography has been like a big thing I've been doing. Yeah. Pottery. Right. Um, I've been doing lots of, just like a whole variety of things. Mm. Um, and then I'm also, as also part of that, I'm <laughs> planning on doing a, the Woo 2K, which is the Wellington Urban Ultra Marathon. Whoa, which, ultra marathon. Which is a 62K oh. run. Which is what, 50 miles or something? Oh, Would it's, that be yeah, it's about like, Americans? oh, it, I don't even know what it'd be. Oh, something long, ridiculous. something wild. So, yeah. um, and I'm hoping that will work with this exhibition I'm having. Wow, um, because that's I, a large yeah, run. Yeah, I know. Well, it's one of those things, if you're going to do an awareness campaign about mental health, yes. you kind of need to do something extreme, yeah. you know? And so I was thinking, and, and the great thing, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more, is like my own journey. Yeah. I had a real pivotal moment in my recovery that happened um, at the top of Mount Vic, right. uh, Mount Victoria here in Wellington. Yeah. Um, and the end of this run is in that same place. Wow. So it feels like a... Cool. real bookend to my own experience that's a lot of stuff oh, i know yeah. it's wild but lots of great like lots of great things it's yeah. like yeah it's busy and like trying to fit it all in can be tough yeah but at the same time it's like what a treat yeah. to have a life that yeah. is busy that that your normal like i have normal everyday problems yeah you know and 10 years ago yeah um you know it's you, you just, your life becomes so bubbled, I guess, in your own struggle. Yeah. That it's just quite a joy to be able to experience um, just normal life stuff uh, that other people are like, oh, my washing's wet. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm not in hospital today. Wow. Like, like I think it, it really puts your life in perspective once you've had those journeys. Like so, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's busy, but um, I'm I'm so blessed at the same time. That's so, so cool. Yeah. So your creativity good. is kind of a plethora of things. It's it's photography yeah. and sculpt a lot of sculpture type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I I kind of had this dream back. Well, my my early twenties were a bit dodgy, just a bit dodgy, <laughs> and like I I think I'd started struggling with my mental health yeah. issues from quite a young age, from probably like. It's only now I look back and I think, oh, that was a bit dodgy at like nine, like. Yeah, right. I got kind of stuck into, like, um, yeah, I just had, like, a, a great childhood, but pretty wild. Like, mm. we moved around a lot, and I started lots of new schools. And so I had some really big, like, mental health struggles, I think, from... It probably started around the age of, like, nine and ten. Right. And then it probably just kind of progressively got worse. And it all kind of came to a head when I moved down to uni. Because mm. I thought, oh, I know, I'll, um, I'll study... And I'll go to Vic Uni and mm. I'll do psychology and I'll fix myself. Wow. And classic did not work <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and I think my, I'd, I'd had like some really um, 
some big struggles, I think, with anxiety. And then from that, especially as a young teenager, that yeah. all came out through self-harm and just really unhelpful behaviours like drinking too much alcohol or yeah. um, those kind of things. And so I found by the time I got to... By the time I was getting to, like, 18, 19, 20, yeah. it was... Um, that 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 was like a good ten years of like really putting into practice a lot of very unhelpful behaviours. That then I got to like twenty twenty one, and um and it and my life got completely unmanageable. Yeah right. Um and then I I kind of I guess I kind of started pursuing recovery and what that looks like. Yeah. Um and so I ended up at twenty three going into Wellington Psychiatric unit in Wellington Hospital yeah. um, which was which was heartbreaking I think because yeah. you know as a child you don't you don't dream of getting to your 20s and being locked in a ward yeah. you dream of, you know and I had friends that were traveling the world and I was seeing pictures of people you know going to Mexico and this and this you know this big festival and I was just like just just felt like my life had no life in it yeah um and so i kind of ended up in this space and um was it rock bottom for you oh it was like (laughs) i think it took me a couple of rock bottoms (laughs) i feel like it was like one of the first ones yeah the first rock bottoms yeah um and it um but what happened was i um went into the hospital and there was um part of your your whole life becomes being in in the psychiatric unit so nurses would come in and they would give me my, um, they give you your medication, morning and lunch and dinner, yeah. and they'd bring in a um, polystyrene cup full of water and like a medicine bottle with your meds for the for that morning. Yeah. And they come in and they give it to me and you take it and take it and swallow it. And then um, then they come in again at lunchtime with another cup and another plastic bottle and then you take the meds again. And so then I had two cups and two plastic bottles. And then at dinner time they'd come in again with another polystyrene cup. And, and I was thinking, this is terrible for the environment. Like, <laughs> this is so bad. So yeah. I thought, I'll save the cup yeah. and then I can try and reuse it. But yeah. then the nurses wouldn't check to see if I had a cup. They just bring one in automatically. So I thought, stuff it, I'll just save them. So I started. So my first admission when I was 22, yeah. I was my first admission, I was in the ward for seven months. Yeah. So I just saved and saved polystyrene cups medication things um and it's funny because my notes it's like Susanna's hoarding you know but the reality (laughs) was it's like I had um I actually had a I actually had a dream you know like a moment of like being in this space and I was keeping these cups and I was keeping these medication things and then I started saving other things like um like I got like a hospital gown um that I've been wearing and I had like a hospital blanket and then I had bandages because I was still really struggling with self-harm so I just started saving stuff on stuff on stuff on stuff yeah and then um and I remember thinking like uh if I if I get better like I didn't believe I would so I think that's um it was a real struggle but for me I thought if if I get better one day I want to have an exhibition and I want um to have something that shows that there is hope and there is beauty and there is so much recovery wow. present in any, every individual, no matter how um, how far down you have gone. And so I am, um, and I had a nurse, an amazing nurse, who would come in, um, 
and would bring in um, he would bring in the paintings he'd been doing in his studio, mm. and so he would kind of go out of his way, bring in these paintings and bring them into me, bring them into the ward when he was doing his shift, and he would show me this is the art I've been doing. He gave me like um, he gave me like paintbrushes I could use. He's like, I got this leftover paint. Do you want it? And so I started painting in the hospital, saving these cups. He and because he realised I was saving the cups, he'd start drawing funny pictures on the cups for me because <laughs> I was yeah. saving all these things. And so I um. I left and I, um, my and I took it to my parents' house and then I think for like the last seven years I kind of kept going through this journey of like recovery and I ended up going back into hospital a couple of times yeah. and um, and then I turned twenty five and mm. I thought um, my life is you know my life is over and I've achieved nothing and mm. um, and I and I I kind of just. I don't know, you, you, you kind of get used to being unwell. Yeah. And so my whole life was like um, getting up, like being unwell and going into hospital and that kind of thing. And I had this moment on Mount Vic where um, I kind of realised that, um, that I didn't want to live like this anymore. Mm. And so I'd kind of been pursuing recovery and I really wanted to get better and I hated the way I was living and I was tired and worn out of going into ED and and getting stitches or like overdoses like I was just worn out worn out mm. worn out and um and I just remember thinking I don't want to do this anymore mm. like I, I don't want to live my life like this and was it all around like self-harm and, yeah and yeah eating disorder stuff and, yeah and I just kind of like yeah. a lot of the like I guess the the official diagnosis I got given was complex PTSD right which is basically just like um like trauma in your childhood and your yeah. upbringing that is then meant that you kind of are still living in that trauma, not actually living in the real world. Wow. So for me, a lot of the self-harm came through this like really messed up thought of like, I can control my own hurt. Mm. So this idea of like, if I, if I hurt myself first, then no one else will. Mm. So a, a lot of the self-harm I think came out from this space of like, um, yeah, Every week I have to... It got a bit kind of OCT in some ways. Mm. Of like, if I self-harm, then it means... If I don't do, if I don't self-harm, someone is going to hurt me. Mm. So I kind of... Every week I'd have to do this and and, um, and then it would get progressively worse if I didn't do it. Mm. Um, and so I found that um, I was just living this life without even questioning it because it was normal. Mm. And then I... Um, yeah, and then I had this... The moment on Mount Vision. Yeah, this realisation of like... I was just sitting there, I was thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, um, what is it? Like, I don't know how to live my life like this anymore. And I was like, God, like, if you're real, like, wow. I don't want to do this. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then I just had this thought or like this voice in my head, which was yeah. like, who's making you? And mm. and I just, and I just suddenly realized, like, who actually, who is self-harming me right now? Like, I am. Yeah. Like I'm I'm the one there's not someone sat next to me doing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm holding I'm holding it. I'm yeah. holding this is this is me. This is my decision. This is the way I'm choosing. And it um and I I thought and I, I'd always wanted to get better, but I never believed it. Hmm. And I think that's why it took me so long, because it it wasn't that I didn't want to, it was just that I thought I'm not gonna if I try and get better and don't make it, hmm. then I'm actually dead. Hmm. But this is awful, but I know it and I'm still alive. And mm. the idea of risk and recovery felt greater. And then for some reason in that moment, mm. yeah, in that moment I thought, 
that's it. I like if I I'm going to put every part of myself into this recovery, and wow. if I don't make it, that is better than living one more day hmm. in this complete agony of a life. And so I let, and so I actually I think what I'd done is I'd taken an overdose, right. as as like was my routine at the time, yeah. and I walked down from Mount Vic and walked into Wellington ED and was like, hello, like, I'm Susie Harris, like, this is my, uh, my national health number. Yeah. Um, so I've taken this much medication and I'm feeling a bit sick. And I think they were quite surprised because often I don't think people just come in and have a chat to them. Yeah. And then I left a couple of days later and yeah. um, never did it again. Wow. Yeah. And so this run wow. that I'm hoping on to do will finish at the spot that I had that moment, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. So I, so I left and then I, so I kind of, again, like kept pursuing recovery for a number of years. Mm. And then, um, and I was getting phone calls from my dad saying, Susie, we've got all these cups. We've got all these, (laughs) (laughs) we've got bags or bandages. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, what are they doing in the garage? Can I throw them away? And I was like, no, like, please hang on to them. Hang on. Like, I'm going to do something. I'll do something. And then I, um, applied for a scholarship to go to the Learning Connection, which is an art school in here in Wellington, right. out in uh, Upper Hutt. Yeah. Um, and I got this scholarship. Wow. And so I quit my job and I um, went to art school and I came in with bags and bags of um, cups and medication bottles. And um, my goal, I guess, was to take these like authentic mementos and like um, real... Um, moments and experiences for my recovery mm. and then um, creatively um, break them apart and put them back together in in, a, in like a symbolic way of what it felt like to to recover, I guess, and what recovery felt like. So wow. the the bandages, for example, that I kept, I um, would lay down, lay down on clay yeah. um, and then with like a rolling pin, would like rolling pin over them and then take the bandage off so you got the imprint of the bandage on the oh, clay. Yeah. yeah. And this was a special type of clay called paper clay. So then you'd, I'd cut it up into squares, yeah. and then I'd put put it back together. And I would, and I've made monuments, monuments yeah. of hope wow. is what they are, and yeah. they're monuments of like. Um, and then so I've got, so so I've got bandages, I've got hospital blankets. So I've got these things that I would then cut up and then put back together and create these monuments. Um, that are watertight, so they can they can be vases as well. Yeah. Right. So it's all about. Yeah, taking these things and, um, yeah, taking these things that were such tragic, difficult moments in my life and putting the hope back into them. And I guess creativity, like that creativity has been um, what has got me there. And I think it's also been a real external journey of healing Mm. because I, like, in the stuff I was doing in photography was a lot about, I had photos from when I was in the hospital Mm. And so I was doing a lot of um, playing around with like these photos and then using these medical things, so like bandages or, or cups again, um, in the dark room doing a lot of work with like blocking out light mm. um, with these medical things. So there's photos of me in the ward with like the imprint of maybe a cup over it blocking out my face. So, right. so doing this process of like um, this is like your identity and... and kind of who I was and then kind of going into the hospital and kind of in some ways losing your story yeah. and kind of getting told a new story, which is you were disordered and you were broken and wow. you're not going to get better and don't try and study and probably not going to, you know, these things aren't a good idea. And yeah. then you reabsorb that new identity of who you are. Yeah. And then no wonder people, 
no wonder people never get better because yeah. the people yeah. that are telling people are telling you you won't so yeah. um and so to be at a so doing artwork about that I was able to like do these things and then to look down at the art I was making and go oh that's a picture of a girl on a bench with a cup on her face and then being like that's me hmm. like like that's my that's that's me and I didn't I I think I didn't know it hmm. like I knew it was me hmm. but yeah I I would look down and I and it gave me that creative outlet gave me a space to grieve hmm. I guess this these the, loss the dreams, of your story, is it? Or yeah. The, yeah. Well, I guess the loss of like the loss of the story, I I never had. Yeah. Like I felt like I'd started struggling with my mental health at such a young age. Yeah. I never felt like I even had the story to lose it. It was just it was always the story. Yeah. And of like feeling like unseen and invisible and struggling and being a pain and being a burden and like and then where that kind of eventually led me too like trying to do life by myself and self-harm and trying to manage my own safety and security and not need people and mm. to then kind of have this artwork in front of me um <coughs> meant I was able to um meant I was able to look down and to see see myself and to kind of grieve that part of my life yeah. and I felt that for me was a lot more empowering wow um and a lot more healing than a counseling session wow. let's say for example because yeah. it was me doing these things and going through this process in a real physical creative way yeah. and then coming out the other side with these pieces of art that show that journey um and also i guess within the art within the art there's the pain and there's the struggle and there's the hope and that was the big mm. thing that i never knew when i was unwell which was that in like in the moment in the deepest, darkest moments, recovery is right by is right there next to you. Like in in every situation, you are learning. Like you're becoming more aware. Even if like that awareness doesn't actually um, turn into something right in that moment. Like it's like my recovery was like moment on moment on moment on moment until eventually it became conscious, and then I realised it, and then I made this change. Um, and so that's kind of what a lot of the art I've tried to do is is like. You know, for the people that are told you can't get better, or that you know these aren't, this isn't going to work for you, like, like what a lie! Mm. Like there is so much hope, there is so much life, there is so much beauty, and I think the creative creativity that I found through um, that has kind of weaved its way throughout my life and through my own mental health journey has been has been a real process of like reclaiming that story, reclaiming who I am. It's, it's amazing that so much of your, like, it's so obvious how creativity yeah. was your healing, yeah. like, which is yeah. really beautiful, and that it was self-initiated. Like, mm. it's so wonderful today that there's people like you yeah. and other creative arts therapists, etc., that that I know who work alongside people, but you're just sitting there yeah. in the <laughs> hospital seeing these styrofoam cups going, I just, I'm yeah. going to do something with them. Yeah. Um, what a self in yeah what a what a wonderful mm. thing to give to yourself like that's your mm. just as you said you were the one who took you into that place yeah. and and you had yeah. to own that on mount vic like yeah. that this is there was no one else doing that but you're the one who got you out yeah. that means like yeah what a 
testament to the strength of you and the strength of your creativity. Yeah. Incredible. It's exciting. Yeah. It's like, um, and I never thought it would be this soon, to be honest. Wow. Like, I, yeah. like in my head, I was like, oh, I'll give it a go and I'll struggle for 30, 40 years. <laughs> yeah. And eventually maybe I'll come out the other side and, you know, like be able to make some kind of, but actually when you realise that um, you have a lot more, you know, control over the the little decisions that maybe can lead you to those spaces Mm. um you're able to kind of notice them so i think a lot of my recovery um has been about i think finding knowing that i guess i have a lot more power um and i think it's it's easy to and like mental health professionals and doctors and i had that great nurse like they were all there with me but Mm. I think a lot of recovery is walking alongside people Mm. I think if you're trying to pull people towards recovery that's actually your idea of what you think their recovery should be Mm. but I think a lot of what recovery needs to be is actually I'm standing next to someone Mm. and I'm empowering you and encouraging you to to walk towards that Mm. you know just because someone you know I think when people say oh recovery isn't possible you can't get better mm. it's such a lie like yeah. of course it is it's just it's different to how you think they should be doing it mm. you know and so um there's there's a term that they throw around a bit in mental health and it's basically this idea of like recovery is not based on whether you're in or out of mental distress mm. it's based on having a life worth living mm. So if your life is worth living, but you're still hearing voices, mm. that's still recovery. Mm. You know, if mm. you're, if like I still have hard days, mm. you know, but um, but I have a life that has so much meaning in it, mm. despite that. So mm. it's not about symptoms gone away necessarily. Mm. Um, I think it's about getting to know those parts of yourself, and then I guess um, moving forward. Um, and I guess for me, creativity just kind of happened. I guess you, I don't know. I think I got. Desperate and very bored. (laughs) (laughs) Very bored in a cycle. Yeah, Yeah. it's so boring. Oh my goodness. And it's just distressing. You know, there's people around you that are struggling and not very happy. And um, I think I've been, I'd done a lot of creative stuff as a child and then had kind of, yeah, I think I'd kind of been creative as a kid, but my family's a lot more sporty. So I kind of ended up just kind of merging into the sporty stuff because that's what they did. Um, And then I think I kind of, in my teenage years, wrote poems and like did did a lot kind of thing. And then I stopped, or I stopped showing people, I think, because um, I did like a, when I was like really struggling, like 12 or 13, I wrote um, like a monologue for drama. Mm. We had to write a monologue and... I wrote two. I made up one about like a child um, who missed their dad. And then I wrote one that I pretended wasn't real, but was actually how I was really feeling. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So it's actually about life. Life is worthless. I don't want to live anymore. Wow. Yeah. You know, and then I showed it to an adult I trusted. And they were like, oh, this is just stupid teenage shit. Like, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that meant it... Um, yeah, so after that, I thought, oh, I'm not showing anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not doing, I'm not showing anyone anything ever again. Yeah. You know, and then I guess it took me, t- it came into that place. Yeah. Of like, um, yeah, being in hospital. And I think just, yeah, having this, um, this nurse, mm. this nurse that was just so creative that mm. was able to kind of um, see those things and see so that it helped creative. and then to like really, mm. you know, empower me in, in that space to mm. kind of move forward. Because, of course, as like, 
even in saying before, like I was saying, it was you who got yeah. you through that, but actually as well, mm. um, there's no way you could oh, be totally. here if it wasn't for support. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's been the like... people in your life. Tell us about the people. Oh, I've got, man, I'm like spoiled yeah. for like the people I have in my life. I'm yeah. like my, um, I'm the oldest of five kids. Yeah. So I've got my, I've got my parents and I've got my siblings and we all moved around a lot and traveled around a lot. And so um, I think what I think I struggled a lot as a child, but never quite learned how to be honest about it. Mm. So um, so for a number of years, I really kept them in the dark mm. um, because I thought I was protecting them in some kind of strange way. But when it got really when my mental health was really dodgy, um, they were just, um, yeah, tirelessly fighting for wow. me. Yeah, and so I know the amount of times... I don't even remember half of it. Yeah. Like, my mum will say something to me about, oh, that I remember this time getting a call from you, you know, after you'd run away from the ward, and, <laughs> you know, and I was I was pretty rebellious. Yeah. Like, um, I just... You just... Oh, you just get bubbled in your own stuff. Yeah. You can't see outside yourself. And yeah. I think, um, again, it's only now looking back that I see that, um, yeah, how my family just, like just stood by me mm. and kept coming and would come visit me in the ward, which was like quite a scary place yeah. to come visit. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that was like a real blessing that I've had. Mm. And then of course, um, being part here in Wellington, I've been part of a community called Blueprint. Right. Um, and so a lot of my early recovery, probably when I was like 2021 20, happened with Scotty Reeve. Scotty. Yeah. He's a good mate of mine. Yeah. Got his um, own podcast, 21 um, Elephants, yeah. if anyone wants to listen to a great a little podcast. shout out. 21 Elephants. Um, so Scotty and then uh, his wife, Anna. Yes. Um, Wonderful and, people. Yeah. And then um, another friend of ours, um, Elliot Taylor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another poet as well. Yeah, Elliot, yeah. Yeah. So those three just like, just appeared in my life when it was all kind of falling apart. Yeah. Um, and kind of just really carried me for, through like a number of like really hard, tough times. Yeah. And then through that, those guys, I then met more people. Mm. And so then my just circle grew bigger and wider. And um, so when I was in hospital, people would come to visit. And when I was out of the hospital, you know, like that, the day after Mount Vic, I went home and I thought, that's it. Like this overdosing and that kind of thing, this is no longer my backup. Yeah. Like I'm not living my life like this. Yeah. So I called up a friend called Jeremy and mm. I said, uh, I need to go to the pharmacy and I have three <laughs> plastic bags full of medication and I'm nervous if I, to take it in because I'm, I feel a bit self-conscious, but also I'm, I'm letting go wow. of like my escape plan. And he came down and, you know, we walked down and we dropped it off together. And mm. so through all my recovery, um, there have been people that have come along um, for the road, like, mm. and even within the last two, three years, being part of this community in Lyle Bay mm. um, and the people that I have there that have supported me through hard days, mm. like the really difficult seasons, mm. like um, coming off my medication was like wild times, yeah. <laughs> real wild times. But people. And you are totally off all medication yeah. now. That's amazing. Yeah. It was crazy. How many years were you on meds for? So I first went on when I was 18. Wow. And I came off everything last year. Wow. Yeah. And it's amazing because you, like, I feel like I'm definitely more sensitive 
Yeah. But I was like that as a child. Like I got told, yeah. you know, as a child, it was like, oh, you're very sensitive, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, um, but I also find that I, um, yeah, I tend to experience life more mm. than I did. I mm. think medication at the time was really helpful. Yeah. Uh, there's, um, I've heard this analogy about like, um, like you fall in, you're walking along, you fall, fall down a well yeah. and you're in this water and you're kind of drowning a bit and medication is like a little flowy device. Yeah. And so the yeah. medication kind of helped me yeah. and stopped me sinking further, but I was still in the well, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. and I think for me, it was a really important step because I did not, I was so lost and unwell in that space. I really needed that. Mm. But I think I just made sure, I just really learned a lot of like, a lot of my recovery has been through like, dialectical behavioral therapy dbt um which is all about being mindful and present and kind of noticing just because i think something doesn't mean it's true yeah which has been massive for me yeah and challenging those false yeah Yeah. so a lot of that has been my recovery and so i really needed to learn those skills to then move off the medication Mm. so i think it was really important at the time um but it was good to like be able to come off it Mm. um and yeah and um, even having this doctor say to me, you know, you've got a 1% chance of coming off this, you know. I, 1%? That's one, not a large percentage. No, it's really discouraging, actually. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend any GPs hearing this to say that to no, anyone. Because no. then when it was really difficult, because not only are you coming ridiculous. off medication, there's kind of like severe withdrawal symptoms yeah. for a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Like feeling really, um, really sick, really nauseous. Yeah. Like, just, oh, I just felt so unwell. And if I didn't know it was withdrawal symptoms, I would have been quite scared. Mm. So, um, but then to have people in my life who who didn't say those things to me, mm. you know, who would say things like, Susie, you can do this, or mm. Susie, you're strong, or, yeah. you know, you're, you're so brave, or you've come so far, like, you can get better. And I really needed that. Mm. And I think a lot of... Um, I'm really blessed to have that because there's so many people that I work with and see and that come into my life that do not have that. Mm. People are just so isolated mm. and so lost. And so um, so it makes sense why a number of people like get really stuck in those spaces because you just need community around you. And that for, that for me was like has been massive. Yeah. Just like really, just really good people. And it, it's really made, it's good. It, it makes me... It's made me question my own, the own, the way I see myself. Yeah. I guess because I think I was often starting new schools growing up, and I never, I never fit in. I was always so weird, and I, <laughs> just like it's just really socially awkward, and yeah. um, just had some like really tough time, and it's difficult because I think every like two or three years we'd move, and then I start a new school, and then we'd move, and I start a new new school, and mm. so. Um, I was always the new kid and mm. it just was real difficult. So I never had friends that I'd really known. I'd know I'd have friends for like a few years, then we'd move and then I'd still kind of have them, but I never had deep friendships, never mm. had people that would literally walk with you mm. into those dark places and, and be by your side. Mm. And I found that, um, yeah, I guess with Scotty, Elliot and Anna were like mm. this first step of that. Mm. And now my life is full. Yeah, you know, and it's um, that's wonderful. What do you? What would you say to someone listening now who's like, like that's the place I'm in. I just do not have oh man the people who are feeling that loneliness or whatever. Yeah, oh, it's like it's a strange place to 
being is because you feel isolated and lonely. Yeah. But at the same time, it's really scary yeah. stepping out and like talking to people yeah. and being honest. Mm. And so I, I guess like for me, what was helpful was like um, trying to, I guess, get involved in a community. Yeah. So Blueprint was like a church community, but yeah. this, this could be a, a church, but this could also be like an art class. This yeah. could be... Yeah. Um, you know, you could get involved in doing some music. Yeah. Like, what is it? Like, find a group that you can kind of fit in. A and tribe. Yeah. And, yeah. and just know it's going to be hard at first. Yeah. Like, it's going to be awkward and yeah. you're going to want to run out. Yeah. You know, and I remember, I remember that. Um, but it's worth it. Yeah, but so worth it. And I think, um, yeah, I, I don't, it, it's amazing to look back. I, sometimes I don't quite know how I'm sitting Mm. here today Mm. um and i yeah so to be able to have those friends and have those connections and i guess um for me like that's been a real that's been like a key thing in my recovery yeah um is having good people around me yeah um and also learning how to engage with the good people around me Hmm. because there are people who are actually probably always there through most through most of those spaces but i just i have felt so much shame yeah, and wow. fear that I wasn't honest. Yeah. So I think sometimes it was like um, being brave enough just to put out like a little, like a little tester, you know. So someone goes, "How are you going today?" And you say, "Oh, not great." Yeah. Instead of saying, "I'm fine, everything's yeah, yeah. fine, the, yeah. the world is great," you just yeah. say, "Not great." And then if that person turns around and goes, "Oh, tell whoa, like tell me about it," then yeah. that's it. Yeah. And if they turn around and go. Oh, you know, you're you're weird. (laughs) Then, then, okay, then you find someone else. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it seems like, um, recovery out of all that was your life was around creativity and was around community and your own inner strength, like intentional choices of those every day moving out of it. And also like spirituality as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. you kind of that moment on Mount Vic you said was a was a praying was a yeah. movement to tell us about your spirituality oh. how, does, how does that come into it it was like I think it the, the spiritual side of life is what gave my life meaning right because I think um, without it it felt everything felt so hopeless without mm-hmm. that extra space um, within the world mm-hmm. I found that like yeah I I should get up and have breakfast and yeah, I should have a shower and could go to work and could do this. But for me, it was like, why, Mm. why am I doing it? What's the point in doing that? And so for me, I guess like a lot of my journey came through being part of a church, being part of like a, um, like a Christian faith and being part of that community. And so a lot of the spiritual side of it has come from maybe the, um, has given me the why, has mm. given me like the reason why I do the things I need to be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when I think about, um, yeah, when I think about those really tough days, um, and I think for me up at Mount Vic, a big part of that was realizing how much I tried to protect myself and look after myself and realizing that I, I couldn't do it and I couldn't make myself better. Mm. It was probably quite a, very much like an AA moment, like of <laughs> like, like a surrendering yeah. to a higher power. Kind yeah, of, yeah, of like I cannot do this and yeah. I, I don't know how to live my life this way. Yeah. Um, and God, whatever you look like, I need you to help me and wow. I need you to come into my life mm. and to, um, yeah, and just, and so I think I still find that like 
even now, like I get busy, mm. I get caught up in life and I lose perspective. Mm. And so I find by, um, I do like morning prayers as part of being part of this Anglican community. Yeah. Um, but I also do things like, I walk, like I find if I walk on the beach, it just puts my life back in perspective. Because wow, I get so bubbled mm. in my own fears and thoughts and I've got to run 62K and <laughs> <laughs> get real caught up. That I, but I go to the beach and I see the waves and I see the sunrise and I see the trees and I when I take a moment to stop and to look around there is something present and eternal happening right now mm. that is totally outside of me and whether I yeah whether I like sleep in no matter what I do tomorrow the sun is coming up mm. you know there's there's life you put a seed in the ground and then there's a plant that's not me that's <laughs> yeah. not me doing that mm. like there's something that is present that is existing that is in every single part of mm. my life and other people's lives and in this world that is that is shouting that is speaking of um of life mm. of beauty of hope of of restoration of things like things never staying dark but like morning always coming like life always coming and so being able to like remind myself of of god of um spirituality of like what it means to be um to be human on this planet um and just to connect with that and i find that when i go to the beach i see the um i see the sea and i see the waves coming in that are rolling you know, like it's so outside of me, mm. and it gives me a lot of peace. I think to um, to remind myself that I'm not holding the world, and I don't have to fix everything, and I don't have to like try and you know make like it's not all back down on me. That there's mm. something else going on, and I just have to I just have to remind myself to stop and to notice, and to and to in those really dark moments, just kind of turn to God and say. I don't know what this looks like, but you do. Mm. <laughs> like as long as one of us knows what's going on, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Most of the time I don't, yeah. but I know that God does. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as long as, and I, I come to that point of like, whoa, okay, if that's, um, I can sit in that, mm. I can sit in that space. Mm. Um, and it takes a, yeah, it takes a lot of pressure off, mm. I think. So you have, is, so this exhibition, yeah, it's an it's going to be an exhibition of all these things you've been talking yeah. about, like yeah. from your recovery and that kind of thing, yeah. And it's the first time you would have put it out there into the world in yeah. the public sphere. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's yeah. so terrifying. Yeah, and it's really putting. I feel like, in some ways, I wish it was just paintings. Yeah. of a beach you know <laughs> nice, or like lovely. a flower yeah. but I'm not I'm putting me on the walls wow. like I'm putting my journey my experience my days like my tough times are going up on a wall for people to look at and so it's like it's scary because it because there's a real vulnerability mm. in it um, but I also think that and this is what I've noticed from my own journey and sharing my story and talking to other people um is that there are so, like in New Zealand alone, it's like one in four New Zealanders are going to experience some kind of mental health struggle. Wow. Like New Zealand's suicide rates are like some of the highest in like all the world. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so the reality is, is like, despite it feeling scary and alone and the only one that struggles with it, 
I have conversations and there's always someone. Mm. Someone has a friend or a family member or a neighbour or themselves that is having a tough time, that is feeling anxious or depressed or really maybe more acute experiences, schizophrenia or mm. psychosis. Like um, There's so many people that are, that are struggling that are in, you know, in their houses alone and, and don't see hope. And so part of me, hopefully having this exhibition, is to bring awareness to that. And part of doing the run, I think, yeah. is like, um, you know, not only are people that struggle with their mental health like strong and warriors, but man, they are overcomers. Yeah. And I've I've run three marathons. Wow. I've run the Wellington Marathon and I've done another couple of them around New Zealand. Mm. And I'll, I'll get to like maybe 35K, 36K. Oh, yeah. Just just yeah. a little 36K. And, I, and I'll be tired and I'll be cold <laughs> and I'll think this is this is awful. And I'll stop and I'll think, is this any worse than sitting in ED? Wow. Waiting for a doctor? Wow. And I think not even close. Mm. Not even close. Mm. And so imagine if like, I'm getting all worked up. That's imagine okay. if like the way our society treated people that struggle with their mental health we're not as broken people, but as warriors of like mm. these strong people. Because that's the truth. Mm. I've I've had hard days, you know. When when I tell people I run marathons, people are like, oh, whoa, you run marathons. Like, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. But that's nothing mm. compared to getting through a day where you don't want to live. And so to be able to, you know, imagine if instead of saying to someone that's struggling with their mental health, you know, um, you know, you've got this disorder and, you know, good luck getting better and you need to take medication for life life we're able to say people man you are strong and you can get through this Mm. because it's true Mm. it's so true and so whenever i part of the run is hopefully flipping that idea that stigma that discrimination on its head you're not weak but you're strong you know and not only you're strong but you can overcome and look i'm someone Mm. who was put in the ward that was on the mental health act you know that was in and out of one in ed and now i'm running 62k (laughs) you know and if i can do it man everyone can do it anyone Mm. can do it Mm. and I think that's been a big part of my recovery as well is just remembering my strength Mm. and doing things that remind me that I am capable that I can do these things and so yeah I think being able to engage um, in some space in your life where you feel like you are achieving and doing things Um, so that that would be like my goal so yeah I'm scared Mm. I mean there's going to be some intense artwork on the wall and like probably some like sad poems yeah, confronting oh it really will even yeah. for me yeah because yeah, yeah. i don't even think i've seen it all in one go huh. um but at the same time i think if one this is what i remember thinking if one person comes in and is able to um to see this artwork and feel and survive one more day then it's worth it you know mm. i could have i could have 500 people come in and say this is awful but one person come in and say I can do another day. It's mm. worth it, hundred percent worth it. And so, um, yeah. So to be able to, to be able to even be in a place where I can do that, yeah, it's like a real privilege. Um, yeah. So it's pretty. So wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty amazing mm. journey. Mm. Yeah. For our New Zealand listeners, do you have a date for the? Do you know when the exhibition is going to be? Ooh. I'm sure people are listening going, "I'd love to be at that exhibition." So it's so it's the last week of September. Um, which may be like the 23rd, right. which is Mental Health Awareness Week right. in New Zealand. Yeah, right. Um, it will be in Wellington City, hopefully at Thistle Hall, but I'm kind of waiting on whether the venue 
comes yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and do you have a way they can find out about it? Like well, you have a Facebook or a yeah, website? Yeah, I have a Facebook page and I have an Instagram page yeah. called Monuments of Hope. Mm. Um, and hopefully by the time people go on there, there will be <laughs> stuff be on there because <laughs> I'm notorious procrastinator because I'm terrified. Yeah. So I've got, I've got the... I've got the Instagram account up yeah. and I've got the Facebook page, but yeah. there's nothing on it. Okay. But now this is great accountability That's right. for me to go home yeah. and put something on it. So keep on looking at, is, and is that monumentsofhope.com or is there a website? I could do, I, just, no, you should do it. I'll do a website. Why do not? a website. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but definitely Instagram and Facebook, Monuments yeah. of Hope. And then hopefully as the exhibition gets a bit nearer i'll be able to do some press stuff or a video yeah, yeah. or that kind of thing so That's incredible. um yeah wild day eh? oh, Susie, thank you so much for mm. sharing your story with us like hearing it um knowing a bunch of it from our conversations mm. and hearing it again in one in one whole thing is is incredibly inspiring for me oh, as good. a as someone who loves working with people yeah as someone who loves creativity, who loves the deep things of life, of, of this podcast, um, your story is inspirational for us. And and to see you as the strong, amazing <laughs> woman that you are is really wonderful. So thank you for sharing it and wow. being on the podcast today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And yeah, I guess being able to... Man, being in a space where I can tell my story. That doesn't happen often. There's a lot of people that have stories that need to be heard that don't get that chance. So, thanks. Ciao. That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. What an inspiring story from Susie Lee Harris. Listen, if something has come up for you today, please make sure that you talk to someone about it. Don't uh, squash it down. Go and have a chat with someone, with a professional, uh, with someone in your your circle of support. Um, Make sure we're we're talking through these mental health issues that so many of us have. Um, Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Please keep on joining us. Share this podcast with a friend who you, you think might need to hear some of Susie's story. It was so wonderful to get to interview her. And so I hope that this can go out and and help others in their own journeys. Thank you so much for listening. The Deep Place podcast is proudly sponsored by Whitley College, a theology college in Melbourne, Australia, uh, where a whole bunch of people gather together to talk about the things that matter, to talk about God and life and spirituality and how we see the world and social justice within the world and how we can make a difference. Go and check out their stuff at www.whitley.edu.au.